So I, I have a word um, for you today that I'm going to break open to you and release an impartation. But I want to, um, first of all, just set the stage for where we are in a prophetic timetable. I think it's really important to discern the times like the sons of Iskar did and know what Israel must, must do know what we must do in such a time as this. And if you look at um, the United States as just one example, and all the things that have shifted in this last number of years, it is phenomenal, isn't it, in a, in a um, disturbing sort of a way. Like, how did we get here? And how did so many things shift to be a voice for anti-biblical values when we were so founded and grounded in the word as a nation. And um, so it's a time when we need to discern what's going on. We can't ignore it. Um, but you don't need to be highly prophetic to know that there's something very wrong about that, right? It's just right in our face and all the statistics about violence and corruption and everything that's going on. So we can't be overwhelmed because we have solution. We are the solution. We're God's solution in this hour. So we need to understand how to position ourselves in days like this. And um, in my first week of becoming a Christian, the Lord gave me Isaiah 60. And so it's been a chapter that I've lived in my whole Christian walk. And I love just the first few verses where it says that we are to arise and shine because our light has come. So when you look at all the darkness around you, we're not supposed to be hiding out in caves and eating tribulation food or anything like that. We are to be arising, right? We are to arise and shine because Jesus has come. He is our light. And uh, the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. So we have access to this amazing glory that um, he has so generously offered to us freely um, through the finished work of the cross. And so this is an hour for the church. This is an hour for you to shine brighter than you've ever shone before. And then in the second verse of Isaiah 60, it tells us when we are going to be arising in this measure. And it says, when darkness covers the earth and gross darkness the peoples. And it goes on to say that through the appearance of the glory that will be upon the people of God, that entire nations and kings will come to the brightness of our rising in Christ. And so we have great things to look forward to. And we should always have that redemptive, optimistic attitude um, concerning what God is doing in these days. We are not hopeless. We are not helpless. We are not powerless. We are actually very, very powerful. And one of the ways that God wants to mark his people in this hour, and one of the callings that God has given all of his people to walk in, if we will receive it, is that of a benefactor. Everyone say benefactor. <laughs> the word benefactor actually means one who confers a benefit on another. <laughs> Amen. So, so we want to release benefit upon the whole wide world. That's what we're created for. We are not victims of a society that is pushing for things that, that uh, we don't want. You know, we see in uh, Daniel 7, I believe it is, where Daniel uh, describes um, a season in, in the history of God's people where it looks like the enemy is winning and wearing down the saints and changing laws and everything. But it is only 
going to appear that way for a season because at the end of the day, everything goes before the justice of God. He gives a final verdict, and you know what that is. Everything is put into the hands of the saints of the Most High, right? And so that's what we are living in. That is the reality. And so we are going to bring forth light in that hour. So we want to be a benefit. We are called to be a benefit or a benefactor in this day. And God gave me this word a number of months ago. And he says, when you go out, I want you to anoint my people with a benefactor anointing. Because I am going to increase their ability to not only receive blessing, but to be a blessing. And that is how we're going to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And he gave me Abraham's example out of Genesis uh, chapter 12, verse 2. God said over Abraham, he said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. So God's heart is to bless. He has blessed you through, through Jesus Christ. You are blessed. And he says, and I'll make your name great and so you shall be a blessing. So he was blessed in order to be a blessing. Now, I'm not going to be able to bring the full message on this, a powerful message on this today, but I do have a little uh, book that we have out on the book table. It's called Blessed to Bless, and I highly recommend it uh, to you. I think that you'll really enjoy it. It will empower you in the days that we're living in, and so I feel that that would be a good one to um, access. But we know that in Christ... We are called to be a blessing just like him. And in Acts 10, 38, it describes Jesus in this way. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good. Now, those two words, doing good, in the Greek together, um, refer to like philanthropy or being a benefactor. And so that's very interesting, isn't it? That Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power so that he could be a benefactor, so that he could benefit people everywhere he went. And so we see that he did that. When he saw sick people, he healed them. When there was dead people, he raised them. When there was lepers, he cleansed them, right? When there was the blind, he caused them to see. The deaf, he caused them to hear. He just went everywhere doing good, bringing God's kingdom goodness into the earth so that people could enjoy the bounty of his love in that way. And the scripture says that as God has sent Jesus, so also he sent us. And so you and I are anointed with that same anointing and we have the same call. We have the same call to be benefactors in the day that we are living in. And you might look at yourself and say, well, you know, I don't feel like I have much to give. We're going to address that later, but each and every one of you are a blessing. You know, you're not only called to be a blessing, but you, you are a blessing, and God's blessings will flow through you. And it might look small, but wait till God breathes on your small and just watch what happens. In fact, God celebrates the small and the faint. You can see it in scripture, right? You know, look at David being chosen as king. All of his brothers were considered by his father. David wasn't. He was just a little faint brother out there in the pasture until he was called in and then he was marked. You know, and we look at Jesus. He didn't come like a big giant king in a big giant castle. He came as a little baby 
wrapped in swaddling clothes, in, into a family that was faint as far as their reputation and that. So never look at yourself and say, well, my life is too small, my life is too faint, my talents are too little. No, because when God breathes on you and he breathes on what you give him, it'll have great effect in the nations even. You can be a blessing to the nations. In fact, it is so easy to be a blessing to the nations in the day that we are living in because of social media. Amen? And don't um, withdraw from social media just because there's some nasty stuff uh, being released through it. No, we need to overtake it. The only reason why there's darkness in the world is because we haven't penetrated it with light yet. So if you see darkness anywhere, it's time to rise up and release your light into it and expel that darkness. Anytime you turn the light on in a dark room, the darkness goes. Darkness is no contest for light. It's just weak compared to the power of light. And God wants to encourage some of you with that right now because of what you're going through. But in Ephesians 1.3, the scripture says that we've already been blessed with everything really that we can be blessed with because of what Jesus did on the cross. When you become a child of God, the blessings of God are poured into you. They are all accessible. I have another book that I brought today. It's called Accessing the Riches of Heaven. And it shows you how to, to access. It shows you how to experience the access that you were given in Christ so that you can have spiritual encounters. You can, you can lay hold of the blessings that God has given you and actually live them out in the natural life that you are living. And so you have been given, according to Ephesians 1.3, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place places in Christ. That's not something you have to beg God for. That's something you already have. You just need to learn how to download it with your faith, right? Okay, and then also in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, it says, you have already been blessed with everything that pertains to life and to godliness. So again, you don't have to beg God for a blessing. You already have access to everything that pertains to life and to godliness. And it also says that you have access and, and um, entrance into all the promises of God, the great, exceeding, precious promises that Jesus released for you. So all the promises in this book have your name on it. You are, you are so wealthy in the spirit because you have everything that you need. And no matter what your current status is in this life, is that once you get to understand who you are in the kingdom, who you are in God, and what you have, when you get that revelation, you live your life differently and you'll attract different things to you because however your soul is positioned is what you're going to attract to yourself that's third john chapter one verse two you know beloved i pray that in every respect in life you will prosper or be successful and fruitful and be in health as your soul prospers or as your soul is positioned so when your soul which is your thinking processes your emotions your will lines up with God's word and with his ways and with his promises, then you start to attract what your soul is aligned to. If you are aligned with lies, guess what you're going to attract? It's, you know, God's law of attraction. So we want to um, know who we are and know that God has a calling for us in this hour to bring light into darkness and to bring blessing into curse. We can transform the whole world just by being his benefactors. 
by looking for needs out there and meeting them. And that's not always material things that we're talking about. It could be a lot of people right now out in your city today need a prophetic word. They don't know God, but they need to know what God says about them. They need to know what God has for them for the coming days. They need a word of encouragement. So when you go and bring them, you're bringing a blessing to them from the heart of God. That makes you a benefactor. You are benefiting them. You could go down into the streets of your city and see people who are maybe lying there sick. We were um, on a bike tour of Nashville uh, yesterday, and we rode by a whole bunch of homeless people that looked like they were really oppressed and needing health for their body. They were coughing and you know, they looked sick, but we, we can benefit them, right? We can get off our bikes, pray for them, minister to them, and bring the benefit of God to them. The needs are everywhere. So when we intentionally not only look for the needs, but also for the solution to touch their lives, then we will see the benefits of God going out into the world that we live in. And all of us can be those benefactors. So I'm going to give you five keys uh, that you can um, uh, uh, learn from this morning to position yourself as a benefactor. So I want to ask you a question, first of all, is that would you like, if God were to give you the ability to feed into whatever need you see, if he were to give you the resources to help those in need so that they can turn to Jesus, would you like to be weighted down with that anointing. How many of you would like that? How many would you, how many would like it a lot? Because you sound a little bit, you know, just like, well, I'm a little bit excited about it, but I don't know, okay? I just think it would be so amazing if, if, if every need that we see out there, we have the ability to go and to meet that need. And you know what? We do. We actually do. So let me help you get positioned for it. And the first thing is, is that God wants us to seek him first and to seek his righteousness, to walk in the kingdom, to have our eyes on the kingdom, to be focused on kingdom, no matter what is going on in the world. Okay, because the kingdom is so redemptive. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, he's speaking that in the context of physical needs, you know, and he's describing that even the Gentiles seek out the things, right? They, you know, they're worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to uh, wear, what they're going to, um, you know, what cars they're going to drive, whatever. And he said, but I don't want you to be anxious about those things. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God because if you do, the things will just be added. Now, we are living in a day and hour where most families have at least need, at least two incomes coming into the home. We were driving around in Ubers over the last couple of days, and so I'm asking the Uber drivers a lot about their lives, and most of them, the Uber driving was their second or third income. And we'll see that that is uh, not unusual in the day that we're living in. There's a pressure to, to um, uh, work and to labor in order to look after everything. And it sounds like to me that we are um, very similar to where Israel was at when they were in Egypt. 
where they were working harder and getting less. And I'm just going to throw this out. I don't have time to unpack it. But it seems to me that when you look back in history and see the times when, when um, it became legal to open up stores on Sunday, which was celebrated as a day of worship prior to that for the whole nation, when they started opening up stores and services on Sundays, if you look back to that time, you'll see an acceleration of stress-oriented stress diseases and illnesses. All kinds of different things out there. And also more and more pressure to make money to pay the bills. And there seems to be a lack of rest since that time because we gave up the day of rest. So I'm just going to put that out there and you can ask the Holy Spirit to give you some insight into it. But Jesus said, if you seek first me... If you seek my kingdom and my righteousness, you don't have to worry about that stuff because it'll follow you. And the, the money system of the world has driven so many people down into a deep hole. And it's become the goal of many, of most in society and even many in the church, the goal for their success or for their fruitfulness in life is dependent on how much money they make. But it's just a world system. It's actually a false system. It's not the kingdom system. You know, it's just a total world system. Now, we're in the world, but we are not of that. So we think differently and we live in a different realm. So we don't have money controlling us. Money is not our idol. Money and things are not something that we run after or lay our life down for. Those are just things that follow us as we follow the Lord. And we have to get that back in its perspective because God showed me prophetically that in this hour, he is marking many as millionaires and billionaires for kingdom advancement. Now, we're talking about millions of dollars and billions of dollars, which is a monetary um, uh, piece of currency, okay? So again, if we're not settled in having the right perspective on that, that that's just something that's going to follow us, and I seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and that's what I live for, then we're not going to be able to steward what comes into our hands. And Jesus taught in the Bible that, that, that unrighteous mammon is actually something he watches our stewardship of to see if we can handle true riches. Okay, so we want to handle true riches, which means we need a right perspective of the things of the world. So when God is giving increase then, are we going to absorb it more into ourselves and our own needs and get bigger houses, bigger lands, bigger properties, bigger cars, bigger handbags, you know? Are we going to do that? Or are we going to say, God, where do you want this to go? How do you want us to live? Where do you want us to release this? How do you want us to impact the world with what you've given us to steward? Knowing that everything we need will be added unto us. Now, the Lord told me a number of years ago, he said, um, through this scripture out of Matthew 6, he said, um, you'll notice that the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. And I want you to tell me, what do the unbelievers seek after for their fulfillment, for their self-worth? What do they seek after? I said, well, Probably like lots of money would give them value. He said, yeah, what else? Well, maybe bigger homes or, you know, yachts, cars, you know, airplanes, handbags, jewelry. He says, what else? And he kept asking me, what else, what else? So I was giving him this list of things as I was trying to think through 
um, what people find their value in in the world today. And he said, all those things are true, and I want you to know that you will never have to seek after those things. Because as you follow me, those things will just seek, seek you. They will, they will find you. They will follow you as you see me. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life as you follow me. And it's a position that is very, very important because of what God's going to put into our hands to steward in these coming days. And he told me, he said, I have already blessed many financially and with all kinds of material possessions. And by the way, always remember, none of that goes with you. Just remember that. The stuff doesn't go with you to glory, right? So let's use the stuff well to produce glory so that we can bring to the Lord something glorious in that day. But um, he said, I've uh, given it to many of my people, but instead of stewarding it for my kingdom, they just built bigger stuff for themselves. So the reason I'm saying it, because I'm absolutely convinced of what the Lord showed me is that he's marking many millionaires and billionaires, and many will come into it quickly, which is dangerous in a way because you haven't learned to, to ride the levels and to learn what you need in each level. It's always better if you, if you grow bigger slower, right, in any realm of your life because you can walk with God and you can be groomed by him, mentored by him in a way that you'll be able to sustain the level when you get there. But it is going to happen, and actually it's already happening. I know of this happening in many people's lives already. And so we want to make sure that our heart is positioned right, that we are after his presence, that we have abandoned the passions of the world in order to serve him. And we just know that the stuff of the world, it'll follow us. You know, we can't help it. I mean, I've never had so many handbags. I've never had so many houses. I've never had so many vehicles. I've never had so much property. I've never had so much money as I have now, but I've never, never sought it. It just is part of, of going after God. And God wants you to get ready for increase because he wants to give it to the faithful. And also in Deuteronomy 8, which is a very meaningful chapter for my own personal faith, I love that chapter because God is preparing his people to go into a land that he promised them, a land flowing with milk and honey and promise and everything, a land where there was no scarcity. And they have just been through 40 years in the desert um, learning to live by the supernatural provision of God because God supernaturally fed them for 40 years. He supernaturally kept them. He supernaturally gave them the air con that they needed and the heat and the cold of the night. He supernaturally looked after them. Now he's saying, we're going to partner together so that you can steward the land under my empowerment. And so he gave them a warning. He gave them a warning. He said, there are warnings to heed when everything increases. And then he tells them what is going to increase. He says, your houses, your lands, your gold, your silver, everything is going to increase. Your cattle will increase. Everything's going to increase. So he is talking about natural commodities here. He said, all of that is going to increase, but here's the treachery, is when it increases, do not forget the Lord your God. Do not forget it. And you might think, well, man, if God ever blessed me with, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, you know, um, I would never forget him. Well, he wouldn't have said that if that were so. But when he gives the warnings, say, God, prepare my heart to stand in an hour of temptation. 
And he will honor your heart. He will honor it. You know, always go humble with the Lord. If he's giving a warning, it's for a good reason, so that he can keep you safe. So when you ask him, it'll, it'll seal it. And some of you are doing that right now as I'm bringing forth that word. And in verse 18 of, of uh, chapter 8, he says, Because it is the Lord your God who gives you the, you the power to create wealth. Now, there's a difference between riches and wealth. Riches is your personal abundance. And again, a lot of times we think of a monetary value of riches. It is, it is really got nothing to do with money. It's got everything to do with riches. What, what makes your life abundant? Are you abundant in his wisdom? Are you abundant in his power? Are you abundant in his love? Are you abundant in his goodness? Are you abundant in his blessings that come to you? Are you abundant in revelation? That's what your personal riches, and it can include um, natural provisions, material provisions, and things like that, definitely. It can and it should produce that, but it's just not to be something that we're we're identifying only as riches. That's the way the world sees it, right? So we have way, way more and better things than, you know, money and stuff like that. And so riches, though, when the Bible talks about riches, it's talking about your own personal abundance in all of those things. When it talks about wealth, it's talking about the way you steward your riches. It is the influence you have in the world. It is the influence that you have with your riches, okay? So I was just with a group of uh, millionaires and billionaires down in Brazil recently at an economic summit where a bunch of economic leaders and, and um, government leaders were together discussing how they could better impact nations, not just their own little cities, but whole nations with the influence that they had with their wealth, and it was very um, interesting to hear what was coming forth because these were men of great influence. Therefore, they had the power to accomplish things that the average person couldn't accomplish. But they had kingdom mindsets. They were talking about kingdom advancement, how to move forward with God's purposes, how to change economic, uh, not only systems, but values to care for the poor, to care for uh, people that, um, that didn't have the same benefit as others. It was a fascinating, fascinating um, uh, time of listening to their hearts. And that is what God is looking for, is that... We should be the wealthiest people on the face of the earth, and that's in every area of life. So don't, don't just push that away. Start embracing it. Start embracing it. Say, God, I want to have kingdom wealth um, to be able to steward it because that wealth is going to bring advancement of God's kingdom in the world, whether it's uh, wealth of spiritual blessings, wealth of natural blessings, all of the above. We want all of it, and we should be in a position to, to receive it so that we can be benefactors, so that we can be givers of that blessing. And dream big. When you're thinking of yourself as a benefactor, dream big. What would you like to see? What would you like to see? You know, I remember the first time I went into Pattaya, uh, Thailand, and at the time we were uh, focused on a branding extreme prophetic because we were teaching extreme prophetic outreaches, which was prophetic ministry to the unsaved. We go into Pattaya, and there's an archway that says, um, welcome to the extreme city. And I thought, oh man, they branded the city just for us. You know, this is awesome, you know. But I started dreaming big, and I thought, really? There's no reason why... A believer couldn't get the assets 
and buy up the whole city, buy up every brothel, buy up every bar, buy, buy up it all, you know, and what would stop us, you know, like if we were really going to turn our hearts toward God and do it, so we started um, moving towards that in different mandates that the Lord gave us, but you know, we can all, if we take our wealth of faith and our wealth of assets together, we can do great things. We might not be able to do it alone, but together we can. And I believe that there's going to be way more networks of benefactors raised up where we all take a part of something and just go for it and advance the kingdom with it. It's going to be so much fun to see what God does in these coming days because we are all called to such a time as this to do His purposes. Okay, the second key is to meditate on His his word. Meditate on his word. We're living in a day and hour where the, the, the Bible itself is being challenged by many. And many even younger people, I was talking to a couple of young gals, they were not even teenagers yet, but because in their school they had heard that you can't believe the Bible because it was just people writing the Bible and uh, you can't believe it, it's just another book. And so this is what they learned in school. And we have many uh, people that are um, really going for that, you know, even in the adult community, going for the challenging of the Word of God or changing the Word of God to say what they want it to say, moving things around so it can confirm what they want. And yet, the renditions they're coming forth with are violating biblical, biblical values and word. So we have to be lovers of the word. We have to be defenders of the word. We don't change the word to make it fit us. We make the word work. We send the word forth to do what it is to accomplish in this hour. And we are living in the decade according to the Hebrew calendar of the mouth, which means it's time to open our mouth and give voice to the word of God like never before and let the love and the truth of God come forth to create and for all the world to see. But many of you are going to have personal words that are gonna be given to you by the Lord. And those ones, God wants you to meditate on specifically. And I'll say, if the word doesn't come to you, you go to the word. There's times that God will speak to you by the Spirit, the word will come to you, and that's great. But if it's not happening, you can go to the word, and you just stay in the word until God speaks a solid promise to you. And then you take hold of it. And it says in Psalm 1 that when you delight in it and when you meditate on it day and night on that word, in verse 3 it says, you will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. So we're to meditate on the fact, first of all, that we're a benefactor because the, the, the word says so. But what about your specific word? What, is, what blessing is God highlighting in your life? And have you said yes to it? Have you meditated on it until it becomes so alive in your own heart? And I remember back in September of 2008, um, my husband and I were just coming back from ministry trip in Asia. And we were stopping off in Hawaii to um, engage in a ministry invitation we had there. You know, someone's got to do that kind of ministry. It's, you know, it's challenging as it might be. You know, someone's got to do it. So we said yes. We gave God our yes. But anyways, when we checked into the hotel, they gave us the room key and it said 2812 on it. And immediately, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, I'm giving you today Deuteronomy 2812. 
and uh, which is, um, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. So I was joking with my husband as we were going up to the room. I said, wow, you know, God's making us a bank. This is really cool. We'll lend to many nations, but we shall not borrow. He's making us a bank. And we were kind of laughing about it and went into our room, turned on the TV, and it was the very morning when the breaking news was on about the bank crash of 2008 and how the real estate was going to be affected and all of that. And I'm thinking, wow. On the very day this broadcast worldwide that the banking system is challenged and faltering, God's making us a bank on the very same day. It was just enlightening. So I thought there's fear out there, but there's faith in here because when you know God, you are not moved by anything that happens of the world. You're in the world, but you are not of the world. So when the world shakes, you are of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen? And so, you know, I was thinking, well, this is really interesting that you're making us a bank because we don't have any money. <laughs> and especially back then, we had just moved to the U.S. a few years earlier, and we were building the ministry in the U.S. So every penny we had in our bank account, in our, in our savings account, checking account, all of it went towards the needs of what we were building. So we emptied it out every month. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. We emptied it out every month. And um, we were building a studio and, and, and buying property and that for the Lord so that he could advance his kingdom. And so we just kept pouring it out, pouring it out. We were building a team. We needed to make sure that team was looked after. And so um, we took a very, very minimal salary, just enough to meet our necessities. So we didn't have really anything left over. Everything that, that came in extra, we just kept pouring out. So I thought, this is hilarious, God, that you're calling us a bank and we don't have any money. So is there some kind of hidden, hidden meaning behind all this? And uh, it was a couple days later into the, uh, the uh, conference that a woman had invited us out for lunch and uh, she wanted us, you know, to have a meeting with her over lunch. So we said, sure, we'll go with you for lunch. And at the end, she went to pay the bill, but she realized she left her wallet in the hotel room. She says, oh, my goodness, I am so embarrassed. But could you lend me $50 right now? I guess she had a, a few bills in there, but she needed 50 And ordinarily, I would have said, oh, forget it. Let us treat you to lunch. But the Lord spoke to me in that moment. He says, remember, I made you a bank. So I said, sure, here's $50. I can loan you $50. And so later on in the day, she paid it back. So that was my first act of being a bank. <laughs> now, you might think in your mind, oh, my goodness, are you joking? You're not a bank just because you, you lent someone 50 bucks. What is that, you know? But in God's eyes, it is. And I think so often we fail to enter into the fullness of what God has for us for our call because we have some big grandiose idea of what it's going to look like when God just wants you to start micro and breathe on it so he can give it a macro effect. And that's exactly what he did with Jesus. Jesus did not come in this great big palace, a great big king with a great big crown and splash everything all over the place. No, he came as this little baby wrapped in rags, laid in a manger, grew up in a, in a, in a city that was actually you know, a bit looked down upon and in an obscure family, right? Hidden in faintness, in smallness. And yet... As micro as he would have looked in that day, he had macro effect for all eternity, the greatest effect ever because of 
what he gave of his life, the wholeness and the fullness of what he gave. And that's what God's looking for in this hour. So we give the $50 and it was funny. You know, she paid it back. I thought, okay, we're a bank. And then over the next months, without even officially thinking about it, we had just given God our yes, but people would spontaneously from time to time ask us if they could borrow money. They'd say things like, you know what, I'm a little bit short on paying my rent. Could you loan me this until payday? Not a problem. Here's a couple hundred dollars or whatever. But then it started climbing, you know. People were asking for 500. Hey, could you loan me a thousand? Could you, you know, do this? I'm having a hard time with a situation in my life and I need this. I said, oh, that's fine. You know, I can cover that for now, you know. And, um, and it just kept growing and growing. So it grew from, you know, 50 to 100 to 500 to 1,000 to 2,000 to 5,000 to 10,000 to 15,000 to 20,000. And before we know it, we're cutting checks for people to start their businesses and everything else. And it's like, I thought, how did we get here? How did we get here from nothing it's because God plus nothing equals everything that you need. That's what it's all about. And his goodness and mercy will follow you as you follow him, as you meditate in that word and say yes to that word that he is giving you. So then over time, we ended up, and this is just since 2008, so we're not, you know, this is only an 11-year period. We ended up being able to um, hold the notes on on residential real estate that people who ordinarily couldn't have gotten into a house, they didn't have the down payment for it, they didn't have the credit score for it, we were able to hold the note on the homes for them. And, um, and then it, it worked out that we started to be able to cover um, even um, ministry property last fall, being able to hold the note on ministry property for, um, for 1.2 million. And I thought, how did we get here? I mean, we look back and scratch our heads, and the only thing that we identify is we said yes to God, and we followed him, and his goodness and mercy followed us. And he was able to advance his kingdom. We've been able to start up businesses and in nations where the people were afflicted, where the people were poor. You know, we've been able to give into so many um, places and be a true benefactor, not just to loan money, but to give money into different worthwhile projects. Because God, when we accepted the call of being a benefactor, he breathed on it and he released in his anointing, everything that was needed to fulfill that call. And he'll do, do it for you too. He's not a respecter of persons. He will do it for everyone that is intent on blessing the nations, on blessing the world that you live on, on, on making your life count to bring light into the darkness, to bring blessing into curse. He wants to use you. And I'm not saying that everyone is called to be a millionaire or a billionaire, but I am saying that everyone is called to be blessed and to be a blessing. And so God has to speak to you. You can't take someone else's word and apply it to you. You need your word. What is God saying to you? And as, as ridiculous as it might sound, the day he said, I'm making you a bank, we actually laughed about it. But we said, yeah, sure, that would be great. Let's be a bank, you know? And that's all he's looking for is for your partnership with him. So meditate on those words that he gives you and live out those words. Okay, the third thing is believe. You need faith to believe, and it's with your heart. It's with your heart, not just up here. Believe that you're a benefactor. Believe that God's promises are true in your life and that you are a blessing looking for a place to happen. Believe in who you are. The next point, point number four, is that you are to take ownership of the benefactor anointing. You are to see yourself 
as a benefactor, saying, this is who I am, and because I am a benefactor, I bless. I do out of who I am. You know, and so when you take ownership of who you are, then the Lord blesses you to be a blessing. You know, he doesn't expect you to fulfill the call of God on your life without his power, without his goodness, without his, his, his anointing. And so when you take ownership of it, you are actually inviting the spirit to come and bless you so that you can be a blessing. And when you accept the, the calling of a benefactor, and you're all called. God's looking for benefactors. He's, his eyes are moving to and fro to see who will be his benefactors. And whoever says yes, he'll, he'll bless you with anointing. And it could be, you know, blessing through hospitality or through the prophetic, through healing, through, through compassion. It could be any area that he blesses you in your life to bless the world that you live in and to touch the nations through the wealth of his presence that is in you. And... Um, I shared um, a testimony, I'll just share it very quickly, in the morning earlier service, about when God really spoke to me about the importance of taking ownership of the call. Because I received a prophetic word in 1978 um, that I was called to be a prophet. I was called as a prophet. And so there's many other things in the word. I typed it all out. I meditated on it over the years. And I had been trained in the prophetic, so I knew it was prophetic. I knew I was prophetic um, because I've been trained in it and I exercised it. But um, I was waiting uh, for the word about the prophet to come to pass. I was just waiting for it. And so it was 20 years later, I was in Holland and I'd been invited by a director of a tour to come on tour over Europe with him and his uh, worship team. And he wanted me to prophesy over every single city because he had seen me minister in a meeting where a sovereign grace of God came down on the meeting when I was speaking. And he thought that I, you know, that's what I carried. And I told him, I said, you know, if you're expecting me to do this, I said, that's the first time it's only, <laughs> you know, it's never happened like that before. I've never seen that level of authority. And he says, no, I really feel that you're to come. So I said, yes, went on the tour. And the first night, the first city we were in, oh my goodness, I just couldn't even receive anything from the Lord. I was all confused. I couldn't connect with God. And I mumbled and fumbled as I got on the platform. I felt terrible at the end of the night. I thought, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? You know, the next night, the same thing happened in a different city. And I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, I am failing so terribly. I went back to my room and I beat myself up real good. Anyone done that? You're not supposed to do that, but you know, sometimes we, we do it. So I did it. I said, you are just a loser. You are disappointing the director. You are, what do you think you're doing here? You know, that kind of voice. So we go to another city on the third night, and I knew the pastor there. He was a seasoned prophet in the nation. And I said, can I talk to you before the meeting starts? He said, sure, come on in. And so I shared with him what was happening. He said, let's pray. And he went really quiet, and he said, um, what the Lord's showing me is that about 20 years ago, you received a prophetic word from the Lord saying that you're a prophet. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is absolutely true. In fact, I printed a copy of it off and it's in my handbag right here. I brought it with me on this tour. And he, he took the word and he looked over it and he said, well, what's your problem then? <laughs> I said, well, the problem is I'm not getting anything, you know. And he said, that's because you haven't, you haven't taken ownership of your mantle. 
you are a prophet. And I said, no, no, no. The prophetic word said that I'm a prophet, but I haven't had the encounter with the Lord yet. He says, you had the encounter 20 years ago when the Lord called you a prophet. He said, your problem is you haven't taken ownership. And he said, I'm not going to let you go out into that meeting until you say, I am a prophet. I said, I can't do that. He said, why can't you do that? I said, because I feel presumptuous. I feel presumptuous, you know. And he said, so you don't believe what the Lord said about you? Are you calling the Lord a liar, you know? I thought, well, no, I believe it. I just, I'm, I'm not sure it's happening. He said, read the word again. And it says he's called you a prophet. It didn't say he's going to man told you to be a prophet. He said, he's called you. You are a prophet. Now say it. I am a prophet. And I said, I, I just can't do it. And he says, well, we're not going out. We're not going to start the meeting until you do. And I thought, oh my gosh. And so he said, follow me, say I. And I said, I. He said, say am. And I said, am. Say ah, ah. He said, prophet. And I said, prophet. He said, now say it again. I am a prophet. And he made me keep continuing to say it until he could tell that there was a shift. I felt the shift myself. It came from a point of almost rejecting the fact that I could be mantled with it. It was almost that, that weighty on, on, on that side to a point where I believed the word and I had received the word and I felt it shift inside. It made me feel different. Not just believe differently, but feel differently. I went out into the meeting that night and everything opened up prophetically. The level of revelation I received was more than I'd ever had before. And from city to city to city, the Lord released the word because I was positioned to receive it. Many of you have had prophetic words and you're not walking in it yet for the same reason. I'm being open and vulnerable with you so that you will know, you know, my journey. It might help you with yours. It says, time to say, I embrace the word of the Lord over my life. I'm not waiting for it. I am this. So when I say that the Lord is releasing benefactor anointings so that we can bless the world that we live in and we can bring light into the darkness and blessing into curse, that we can be overcomers, that we can see the kingdom of God rule and reign in this hour, God is looking for people who will say yes to that and who will identify with and say, I am a benefactor because I receive the benefactor anointing. Now, Jesus said, or it says of Jesus rather, as we read earlier in Acts 10, 38, that Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power and went about being a benefactor. That same anointing is on you. That same invitation is on you. You are the solution to every problem out there because of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And everywhere you go, you carry him around. You can't help being a benefactor because of who lives in you. The very one who went about doing good is going about now in you looking for places that he can release the blessing. And he wants you to look for places, which is the final point. So blessings. If, if you believe that you are a benefactor, then activate it. Intentionally look for people to bless. You know, I remember... It, it could be such simple things, you know, if you see someone that's down or something, give them a word of encouragement from the Lord. It can be as simple as that. We can all do that. 
Even if it's just going up to someone and saying, God loves you with an everlasting love. He really does. What you're doing is releasing a blessing for them. And when you do that, you are fulfilling the mantle of a benefactor. I remember saying that to a woman down in the inner city. We've done a lot of work in the inner city. She was uh, working the streets as a prostitute. And, you know, we stopped to share with her. And she was pretty rough and tough. And I said, God loves you with an everlasting love. He really does. She broke in tears. And she said, no one's ever told me that before. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Something as simple as that transformed her life in a moment of time because of releasing a blessing from the Spirit of God. It can be that simple. Or you see someone limping or, or you know, sick, coughing, whatever. Invite them to receive prayer. And when you pray and release that healing virtue of Jesus Christ and the compassion of Jesus Christ, you are being a benefactor. Or maybe you just want to just brighten someone's day. I remember just recently being in a Starbucks lineup on the drive through and I just said, you know, I'll pay for mine, but I want to pay whatever the bill is for the person behind me too and tell them Jesus wants them to have a good day. And when they go to pay their bill, they'll know it's already paid because Jesus wanted them to have a good day. That's being a benefactor. Or when you're in the grocery store and you see someone, you know, that looks like they might be struggling, say, hey, I just want to bless you with $100 worth of groceries right now. Just go around and pick out $100 of groceries and I will pay for it for you. you. You understand how something that small can change a person's life? It can change their entire life. And so God wants you with intentionality to begin to sow blessings. And the thing is, the more you sow blessings, the more you reap them. The more you reap them, the more you can bless. And that's the only thing I can figure out as to why we are walking so blessed today because we didn't intentionally try to do anything to build what we have today. We just followed God, followed his leading, and gave, gave, gave to the needs around us, using our gifts to bring light into the darkness, and it just comes back on you. And it's the best way to live your life. There's no worry in it. You know, you wake up in the morning and think, who's five people I can bless today? I can phone one with a word of encouragement. I can get a card for another one. I can maybe take someone to lunch. And you just start dreaming of at least five people that you can bless. And you activate, you activate the gift. Amen. And the more you do, the more blessed you get. It's like you carve out a realm of blessing that you live in. You can't help it. Blessings just find you. Everywhere you go, blessings find you. Because you're a benefactor. That's what happens to the life of a benefactor. People who prophesy the heart of God to others receive prophecies. People that minister healing to others when they're sick, they receive the compassion and the healing power of God into their own lives. It's just like, you know, we set ourselves up for the goodness of the Lord by being a benefactor. And the the more goodness he pours into us, the more we can fill the earth with goodness. And you know what? The world really needs you right now. The world really needs you. You can benefit the world with truth. You can benefit the world with, with wisdom. You know, we have the opportunity to sow blessings even through the internet. You know, imagine if you're a songwriter. You know, you're in Nashville, so... Probably everyone here is a songwriter, but anyways, <laughs> you've got this, this, this anointing over the region, right? And so you start operating in your anointing to be a blessing 
You see the difference in the motive here? It's not so that I can be enlightened. It's so that I can be a blessing. And you start moving in that. And before you know it, you'll bless more and more people. And maybe even have a download of a song that will be written down in history, that will tell the history of the church in that hour, that will, that will change people's hearts toward God. You know, you just don't know where this can go. But if you see yourself as a benefactor, that you're living to be a blessing to others, it keeps you from narcissism and pride and everything because you're constantly being like Jesus, looking for a way to bless others. How many of you would like to be one, a benefactor? Amen? If you do, stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. Wow. Kaladabashi, kaladabakaya. You know, your church here, this house is a house of benefactors. I was out looking at the map earlier and all the different ministries that you are supporting worldwide. There are people being saved today because of your blessing that comes from this house. People are being nurtured today in the kingdom because of the blessing of this house. You know, widows and orphans are being touched. Their lives are being transformed because you are benefactors, because you are bringing benefit to people that are beyond the walls of this house. Isn't that awesome that you belong to such an amazing family? And it's just only going to grow and grow. The more you step into this anointing, the more it grows, the bigger your benefactor anointing gets. So lift your hands up into the glory right now. And I want you to give God your yes. Give him your big yes. And let him pour into you that benefactor oil. (laughs) The same anointing where Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power in order to be a benefactor. That is coming upon you in new measures right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that there's so much benefactor oil in this house that a whole nation or nations can be transformed because you are that good and you are that able, Lord God, as we all give you our yes. So everyone shout a big praise to God. Amen. And I want you, I want you to say, I've got it. it. It's mine. mine. And now go give it out. Let the oil flow. Be like Jesus. Go about doing good. Amen. Give the Lord another praise. I want to just highlight this book that's also on the resource table outside. It's called 31 Decrees of Blessing. And um, what it is is a devotional, and there's a devotion for every day of the month highlighting one of the blessings that God has given to you in, in, in covenant. And so it keeps you focused. You know, it gives you a focus, and then it's got 10 decrees for each day after the devotional, you can decree over yourself, your family, your household, your ministry, your business, that release the word of blessing over your life. Praise the Lord. It's been awesome to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you.